Hello to everyone joining us in this webinar. We have a large audience today, some people from overseas, which is excellent to see. Today you'll be learning about the key changes to the Guide to Payment Technology Parts 4F and 4K and the significant advances in the areas of binder specifications and sprayed seal design. My name is Liz and I'm the moderator in this session and can provide any technical support if you need. You can contact me by using the chat box in your webinar sidebar if you have any issues. This webinar is proudly brought to you by Osroads. For those who don't know us, we are the peak organisation of Australasian road transport and traffic agencies. We support our member organisations to deliver an improved road transport network. Here at Osroads, we use a program management approach where each program focuses on an operational area of the road system. This Osroads project falls under the assets program. And just some housekeeping items, the webinar presentations will run for approximately 35 minutes. We'll then answer your questions in a live Q&A. As always, we are recording today's session and we'll email you once that video is available and we upload all of our webinar recordings on the website shown and encourage you to view our past webinars. If you'd like a copy of the presentation slides we're using, you can download them in the handout section. So please send through your questions by the question sections you could see in your sidebar. Just type your questions at any time during the webinar and we ask they indicate the slide number your question relates to. We'll then collate the questions and answer them in the live Q&A at the end. So the direct links to access the Osteroids guides are shown on the slide. You could also download them in your webinar sidebar. All Osteroids guides and publications are now free to access online or in PDF format. And if you haven't already done so, please create an account on our new website to have access and sign up for Roadwatch publications and webinar alerts. We also have some related Osteroids test methods we'd like to bring your attention to. Here are the links to access them from a website or you could also download them through the handout section in your sidebar. So before we get into the presentations, I'd like to introduce our two speakers. We have Dr. Young Choi, who is the Senior Technology Leader at ARB, specialising in the area of payment and servicing materials. He has over 20 years of experience in research and development in areas such as bituminous binder rheology, quality performance of road making materials and skid resistance related safety on the road. Hi Young, thanks for joining us today. Hi Elise, hi everyone. Our second speaker is Steve Patrick, who is a senior professional leader at ARB, specialising in the area of payment surfacing. He has 14 years of experience in research and development in areas such as sprayed sealing practices, bitumen sprayer calibration, and the preparation of guidelines and standards. Hi, Steve. How are you today? Good. Thank you, Elise. Thanks for having us. And it's now time for me to hand it over to Young, our first speaker. He'll let you know about the agenda for today. Hello, everyone. Um, this is Young Choi. Yeah, I take over the presentation from this, uh, this slide. Um, first, the agenda of the presentation. Uh, I will start with um, project background and some introduction, then move on to the um, binder guide uh, part for app. Then uh, we will move on to part 4K guide, uh, selection and design of spread seals, which will be covered by uh, my colleague, Steve Patrick. And we will have a Q&A session at the end. Okay. Um, just for introduction to the team, um, project manager of this project was um, John Anop of Big Road. And I was a project leader, then uh, 
Steve Patrick was uh, was an important team member of this one. The uh, work throughout the uh, project were reviewed and steered by um, Ostro's bituminous surfacings working group. Uh, we call it BSWG, which comprised um, road authority and industry experts. Um, then the upper level reviewer was Ostro's pavement task force. Then uh, ultimately it will be um, reviewed and accepted by Ostro's board. Just for the, um, the uh, working group, the project team uh, who steered the project, uh, BSWG, um, as you can see in the slide, uh, it comprises quite a range of, uh, uh, you know, a range of people across the um, uh, states and uh, New Zealand. Uh, these are mostly the um, road agency people, but we have almost the same number of industry experts, uh, which includes um, international members. Uh, project overview um, title, as you can see in the slide, is long. <laughs> uh, this was a three-year project uh, starting in 2015. And the main aim was to update the following important Ostros document, part for AppGuide, part for K, and the uh, number of sprayed calibration test methods. Let's um, move on to the um, part for AppGuide. Um, this is essentially a guide to the nature and use of bituminous materials for road construction and maintenance. Uh, it provides comprehensive information on the fundamentals of bitumen properties and testing of bituminous materials, including the types of additives. It provides reference to other important um, uh, documents. The um, first um, version of this guide was prepared in 2008, so it was quite a while ago. So we needed to prepare a second edition of this guide to make it uh, up to date. Um, during the revision for second, uh, during the preparation of second edition, the main work was uh, obviously um, comprehensive technical re revisions uh, to uh, well, almost all parts in the guide um, to reflect uh, current specification guidelines and best practice. And we also need to, needed to include um, outcomes of recent, recent research, such as um, development of performance-based test methods and some updated information on alternative binders and inclusion of some new information, such as a new type of binder called EME2. And we um, uh, also removed parts overlapping with other guys to make, to make it uh, neat and tidy. Uh, during the revision, one of the big thing was the um, editorial update uh, because the previous version has some issues of the readability because some contents were uh, in different places and some were in appendixes. So we, we um, tidied all those parts up and uh, made it a nice and consistent um, document uh, with, um, with improved overall readability. Okay. Let's uh, move on to the actual content of the guide. Um, it would be best um, if you actually have the guide at hand. So I uh, provided the um, section numbers, section references in the um, in this slide uh, for your reference. Um, the guide opens up with section two, which provides information on safety and environment 
uh, we um, update the um, this section with um, to include some you know uh, latest documents and latest um, references um, such as um, European and American uh, practices. Um, move on to section three, uh, provides information on the fundamentals of the material, namely chemical properties and rheological properties. Uh, a good example of this update is the um, more uh, detailed information on a new type of test device known as dynamic shear rheometer, uh, in short uh, DSR, because uh, we expect this, go this is going to be a standard test method in Australia and New Zealand. In a, in a very very near future. Sections uh, three to five provides information on conventional and multigrade bitumen, um, such as the um, standards Australia specification known as AS two thousand eight, and related uh, test methods. Uh, this section uh, includes information on uh, international specifications like uh, American standard. Uh, binder specification and European binder specifications. Then um, uh, later part of the section uh, includes um, information on cutback bitumen. Moving on to section six to seven, provides information on polymer modified binders and immersions, which are increasingly used owing to their improved performance and other benefits. Um, an important change made to this section was the updated Australian PMB specification, as you can see on the right side of the slide, uh, known as AGPT T190, which now includes um, some performance-based test methods. Uh, here I would like to give you a bit of a background information on uh, the performance-based test methods, which were developed for T190 specification. Um, this is not in the guide. Uh, this is more like a study conducted behind the scene to, to make a decision that we are now going to include the, um, this method in the, um, the T190 specification. This is one of the, you know, some significant research outcomes. So I thought uh, it's worth introducing this work in here. Um, for example, in this, I'm showing two graphs here. Uh, this, the, the product, for the control of rotting performance of binder, uh, we have developed elastometer consistency 6% property, and which is already included in T190, uh, based on some comprehensive studies that found a good correlation between the um, binder property. The x-axis shows the um, consistency 6% value binder property against the um, y-axis, which is the um, wheel tracking resistance as measured using the um, uh, rotting wheel tracking uh, test test method of um, for asphalt mix. The reason I'm showing two graphs uh, in this slide is because these were two independent studies which used uh, different materials, different type of mixes, but we um, used the same model to fit the define define the uh, the relationship between binder property and mixed rot resistance. And I think in both cases, uh, those application was all right. And as you can see in the graph, the um, correlation was, I would say, is more than acceptable. Okay. I just talked about high temperature rotting, rotting resistance of the binder. 
Now moving on to the low, the other side of the spectrum, which is the low temperature cracking performance of binder. We also conducted some studies and found, or should I call it, developed a new test property called DSR stress ratio at 10 degrees C property. We have found a good correlation, as you can see in the graph, uh, that uh, is uh, showing a good correlation to um, cracking performance of asphalt mix at the same temperature of 10 degree. Uh, based on the testing of, as you can see, a quite a range of binder. I think it's 37, 31 or something different binders. Uh, therefore, we are going to include this method into T190 in the near future. Uh, so that we can control the low temperature cracking uh, performance of the material. The reason I'm showing two graphs here is that because we actually came up with two methods, one was DSR stress ratio test, the other one was called uh, force ratio test. Um, the reason we developed two methods was that one was used, one utilized international uh, test device DSR, whereas the other one used, um, uh, we utilized a, a, a local device called extension meta. At the end, both test methods were successful. They measured uh, cracking performance correctly and they are very closely related. So essentially they are measuring the same property. But um, we decided to, move, uh, to accept the DSR test method because of uh, the uh, potential sustainability issues with a local test device. International device like DSR is unlikely to experience sustainability issue. So it is desirable, desirable to use um, that kind of widely used method. Okay, let's move on to the, um, go back to the guide. Um, uh, the section eight, um, now we are in the section eight, which provides information on other types of binders. Um, the one showing in here is the high modulus asphalt binder known as EME2, and the other one is recycling, uh, recycled asphalt pavement binders, wrap binders. Um, these were included during this latest revision. This was uh, one included in the previous version. So I just wanted to highlight these two, two items. The, in the same section of uh, section eight, uh, the information on other types uh, provided like formed bitumen, rejuvenation treatments, uh, naturally occurring bituminous materials, and um, alternative binders. Okay. The last section of the guide is section nine, uh, which provides information on various types of additives, such as addition agent, forming or anti-forming agents, antioxidants, and recycling oils. Uh, and so on. The, that is the last section of the guide, but the guide also has an appendix at the, at the back, which actually provides a quite comprehensive um, information on uh, uh, different types of test methods, uh, methods used in Australia and New Zealand. So that was about it for part 4F guide. Uh, we will now move on to part 4K guide and other documents which will be covered by my colleague, uh, Steve Patrick. Thanks, Young, and do remember to enter your questions into the relevant box and let us know what slide number it refers to uh, as we go through. So as Young mentioned, I'm here today to talk 
about the Guide to Pavement Technology Part 4K, the selection and design of sprayed seals. This the previous edition of the guide was simply titled Seals and that was published in 2009. The guide now incorporates the sprayed seal design and selection material which was previously contained in a separate document, ABT 68, which um, many seal designers will be uh, very familiar with. However, now we've got a single document with um, all the background information and the selection and design information. Uh, up on the Austroads website and also now free downloads if you weren't aware. Today I will be taking you through the document, the major, major contents of the document and also highlighting the main changes that were made to it as part of this most recent update. As I've already talked about, uh, there has been an amalgamation of the overview and the selection of design documents and it's all held in one place now. The, the two documents have been combined and subject to a comprehensive restructure and editorial review. Those especially familiar with the seal design document will note a fairly different structure and layout of the material and the way it's presented. And um, hopefully I'd like to get feedback of how people are going with that and um, whether they're finding it a more useful document uh, these days. The the document integrates the Austro's research outcomes, which have happened since the last versions of these documents were published in 2009 for the seal design back in 2006. The, the, the major, the major um, updated parts that I'll be talking about today is what we are now calling initial seals, which were formerly known as primer seals, the double-double design procedure, and the voids factor for low volume traffics. Alongside, all throughout the document, there is improved technical guidance, largely uh, based on the feedback that we have received through the Austroads technical working groups from both uh, road authorities and um, our industry partners there. Excuse me. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, Depending on the application and the type of a seal, we have classified sprayed seal uses into three major categories. This is a bit of a new approach in this document. Firstly, we have initial treatments, which are in applications of primes or initial seals for prepared base courses. Secondary treatments, which is an application of a sprayed bituminous treatment on an initial treatment. And a retreatment, which is basically a reapplication of, uh, of a sprayed seal on top of a bituminous surfacing. I'll tell you a bit more about um, how we've classified them now. Now, initial treatments, uh, the first thing that you would put onto a newly constructed and prepared pavement. Initial treatments will either be a prime, as you can see in the first diagram there, there's a simple application of a binder to the prepared base course. And also, alternatively, an initial seal, which were formerly classed as primer seal, but we have renamed it to what we have thought is a, a more appropriate and descriptive name of what is happening. In an initial seal, there is both a binder application and a small to mid-size aggregate uh, placed on top of the prepared base course, which is allows trafficking practically immediately as opposed to the prime, which is, is not good for carrying um, traffic. 
The initial SEALs work was developed over a few years in the Austroads Research Program. There are a couple of reports up on the screen if you'd like to step back a little bit in time and read how we developed some of this information. It's the T27614 and 31016, which is double-double uh, primer seal inspections and selection and design of initial treatments um, reports that have come out over the last few years. So once again, we've changed the terminology from primer seal and uh, probably most interestingly, we've expanded the treatment types that are available for initial seals. They now include double-double seals, larger aggregate seals, and crumb rubber binder, which is um, quite expanded over to what they used to be. Also, the design method, which um, used to be has been updated uh, as from a rather more primitive um, method in the past. We have now uh, made it closer to the, the rest of the sprayed seal design method, um, over the, which we have looked at as being possible over the through the projects we have done in the Austroads research program. In terms of um, secondary and retreatments, these can be considered to be all the other types of sprayed seal um, sprayed seal arrangements or combinations that are available uh, for use. It's in, these include single single seals, the multiple layer seals, be it double double, single double. Uh, and the many other arrangements that are available for use and includes all special purpose seals such as um, SAM and SAMI, the strain, allevi strain alleviating membranes, the high stress seals such as HSS1 and 2 and XSS, includes geotextile reinforced seals, fiber reinforced seals, and cape seals and other treatments such as scatter coats and dry matting and inverted seals. You can read a lot more about those treatments um, throughout 4K. The sprayed seal selection has been updated and um, uh, significantly changed since the uh, last versions of these documents were published. There's a large number of variables that come into selecting sprayed seals, including well, the major ones being your traffic volume and the composition of this volume and the stresses that um, you can expect them to apply to the roads that you will be sealing. There's considerations of existing surface condition in terms of if you have cracks and how big they are and what type they are and things like texture depth variation, which is a very important consideration when you, um, when you are sprayed sealing. There are other performance requirements that must be considered, uh, such as the required skid resistance and surface texture, the noise characteristics, water spray, conspicuity, conspicuity of the pavement markings and the overall appearance of the sprayed seals. And it also comes down to the availability of equipment, materials and expertise across what is a rather large country with a spread out population. This on your screen now is what we have, I guess, dubbed the multicolored table uh, as we develop this work. It is a, it's a preliminary guide to sprayed seal selection. And I guess by preliminary, I mean this is, a, this is a very good starting point for you to get an idea of what may be an appropriate treatment based on across the top of the table there. You can see there's design traffic and um, proportions of heavy vehicles. And down the, down the left side of the uh, table are uh, climate and stress locations. So, um, 
<laughs> you can see there are a lot of options available to you and a lot of variables. And um, so this this table is basically a starting point for you to get a feel for what would be used. It gives you very good direction as to what will work for you. Um, I guess, as always, when it comes to sprayed seal, it's um, a, a bit of experience helps and uh, uh, experience with local conditions and also getting advice from your um, uh, experts in the state road authorities and um, in industry is always uh, uh, it's, a, it's good. It's a sensible approach to um, before you commit to something. But this table um, hopefully gives you a very good basis for making the decisions on what sprayed seals will be appropriate for your needs. Now, in terms of the spray seal design method, the single single, which is basically a, a single application of binder covered with aggregate, that method provides the basis for the design of all the other seal types in this guide. The basic premise of the sprayed seal design is to achieve a single layer of aggregate uh, 40 to 60% voids after those aggregate have reoriented and packed down. You are hoping for the binder to rise up between 50 to 65% of the aggregate height after two years of its service life. The double-double design, um, we have updated the procedure, which was published with the work uh, that led to to this was uh, originally published back in 2013 in the report you can see on your screen now. There's a, there's a few changes in there. I guess the, the biggest one would be the revised voids factor approach instead of reduction factors, which we have applied previously. It's just a, what we have, again, a, a, a more sensible way um, to approach the way the voids factor, which is one of the fundamental traffic related items in the seal design is approached. It's a bit more um, it's a bit more consistent with how we do this uh, the single single seal design now. And so that has been integrated into this new version. Another part of as we developed this over a couple of over a number of years looking at the research program, we were looking at the voids factor and in based on feedback that for especially for seal designs below 100 vehicles, 100 vehicles per lane per day. That uh, the voids factor was not correct and was delivering seals with too high binder application rates. So in those two reports, we did a, a number of site inspections and um, and a lot of analysis to look at uh, what would be an appropriate change to the voids factor. In the end, we have flattened out the voids factor for below 100 vehicles per day. So it's a consistent voids factor that you use every time you have less than 100 vehicles. And this, um, this will assist in reducing the, the too high binder application rates at those, um, at those low, uh, low volume traffic levels. Now, uh, we'll talk, so a very important part of sprayed sailing is the, um, is the, the machinery that goes out and applies your sprayed seals. And uh, part of what Austroads manages is the sprayer calibration test methods. Now, to calibrate the purpose-built bitumen sprayers for hot and or cold applied bituminous materials, we have a range of test methods and um, a number of tests that the 
that these machines have to go through to prove their uh, ability to correctly apply the seal designs. The, um, the test methods uh, assist in achieving well-defined and controlled binder application rates. And this is done annually to all bitumen sprayers. So every bitumen sprayer must be calibrated uh, once per year to be eligible for working in jurisdiction works in Australia. There are seven individual test methods that uh, cover the sprayer calibration uh, requirements. I'll take you through uh, what these test methods are. Firstly, AGPT T530, which is a general introduction and list of the methods. This gives you a general overview of the sprayer calibration requirements, the types of bitumen sprays that they can be used for, the equipment that is required for the testing, and also the reporting um, requirements, amongst other things. So it's a it's, it's the it's the baseline document that tells you all about uh, what you will need to be doing in this uh, calibration testing. The first step in um, bitumen sprayer calibration is the volumetric calibration of your bitumen sprayers. It's basically testing the ability of the pumping systems in the bitumen sprayers to work adequately and consistently in terms of um, their pump volumetric output. This is conducted over a range of uh, different bar widths or spray widths, as you consider it, um, to make sure that the bitumen sprayer is able to work on a range of uh, different widths and as is required across um, the wide array of uh, areas that the bitumen sprayers will be uh, applied to work on. The transverse distribution is a check of uh, the consistency of the spray across the back or as it comes out of the spray bar. This may be undertaken by one of three different methods. You only need to do the one each calibration, but uh, there are three uh, available for use. The first is transverse distribution by a fixed pit facility, which you can see a photo of on the left. This is a more like a lab-based um, test where there are a few fixed fit facilities across Australia where you can take the machine in and um, run your transverse distribution testing across this um, dedicated facility. Uh, however, it's not always convenient for uh, bitumen spray operators to be able to visit one of these pits because we do have such a large um, spread out country and uh, we have developed two further test methods that um, assist in testing in or well, outside of these fixed pit facilities and they are as you can see in the middle the transverse distribution by field mat where a bitumen sprayer is run over a piece of carpet and the carpet is cut up to and then subsequently weighed to check the consistency of that transverse distribution and a transverse distribution by a portable trough where it's a small scale of the fixed pit facility uh, that is portable and can be taken around by testing facilities to test in remote locations. Uh, another very important part of bitumen spraying is the road speed and distance calibration. The road speed of the bitumen sprayer determines uh, 
basically the application rate as is applied to the road. The bitumen pump will always work at a consistent level and then the application rate is varied by how quickly the or slowly the uh, bitumen sprayer is uh, driven up the road. This test method determines the accuracy of the road speed indicators on the bitumen sprayers and um, it looks at uh, the outputs are the repeatability, rep repeatability one more time, repeatability, accuracy, and correction factors of the road distance indicators on these bitumen sprayers. Finally, uh, T536 is a test method based around the viscosity of the calibration fluid as is used in the, for the volumetric and uh, transverse distribution for fixed pit facilities. A Calibration fluid can be used in place of bitumen and it must have a specific viscosity and or density properties. So the low temperature viscosity of the calibration fluid used in this test is equivalent to bitumen at spraying temperatures. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a bit easier to run a calibration fluid than dealing with uh, the hot sticky bitumen, as I'm sure many of you are aware. This test fluid is used in tests T for 531, 532 and 534. So that's the end of the major part of our presentation today and uh, we will be taking questions after this and please do enter them on the, uh, the part of your go-to webinar as highlighted on the screen now. And um, we will hand back to Liz at this point. Yeah, thanks, Stephen Young. And we thank everyone too, who's sent through their questions so far. So we'll dive, we'll dive straight into these questions and try to answer as many as we can. But the first question we received is in relation to slide 24. So the question is, what diff, what's the difference between force ratio and stress ratio in DSR test? Okay, um, the, the right side one is, as you can see at the x-axis, called stress ratio. This one is conducted using the DSR. The left side one, is, as you can see, is called force ratio. It is conducted using a different device called extensiometer that was developed in Australia for for polymer modified binder testing. That is, um, how do I say, uh, a completely different piece of device compared to DSR, right? So the reason we I, I wanted to show you two different devices here was that um, we, we looked into various different options that, uh, okay, to control cracking performance, what we can use. And this is the um, kind of outcome of those research, those comprehensive research. We thought both devices are good. It was all uh, successful in that way. But because of the sustainability issues, you know, obviously um, a device like a DSR, you will be able to have it 10 years, 20 years, 30 years time. Whereas the uh, local device, like the force ratio test method, it's depending on whether the manufacturer will continue to produce or not, you can have some trouble. So therefore we are going to use the DSR stress ratio. Okay. Yeah. Great, thanks for answering that one, Young. Uh, question in relation to slide 27 in relation to additive. Yep. So is it possible to use phase change material in bitumen? Yes, yes, you can use. You can use the um, those materials in bitumen modification. Yes. Excellent. 
Thanks for that, Young. So in relation to slide number 37. 37? Yep. Mm. So any thoughts to a maximum traffic count for SEALs to perform? Uh, well, I guess this table goes up to 5,000, but uh, in terms of when we, uh, the, the void factor plots that we um, have in this version go up, I think up to 15,000, I think now. And so 10 to 15,000 uh, traffic levels that um, are suitable for sprayed seals. Again, depending on uh, respecting other variables in terms of stress and, and even um, climate, but yeah, up to 10 to 15,000 vehicles is possible with sprayed seals. Excellent, thanks for answering that one. So the next question is from Intan. So he's asked, if I notice the difference between spray and mixture is only the filler content. So is, is that right? Sorry, can you repeat the question? So he's noticed that the difference between spray and mixture is only the filler content. So is, is that right in that regard? I think that's a, an asphalt-based question, which we haven't really covered today. Um, okay. I mean, this is a, a specific thing in part 4F that he's asking about. Is there a slide number for that question? Yeah, I uh, know. No, yep. not at the moment, but we could take that one offline. So mm -hmm. the chart refers to designs for hot climates. So crack as wide mm -hmm. as three centimetres at times are noticed in areas where the temperature drops below minus one. So please comment on the design approach for this and also the definition of severe conditions. Okay, um, I think um, hopefully they were saying three millimetres because um, three centimetres is pretty large. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, uh, so what are we talking about in terms of um, design for cracking? Um, I guess you have a number of options in terms of the strain alleviating membranes and also um, things like textile reinforced seals where you can create a very thick protective layer and membrane which will stop reflect reflective cracking coming back through. In terms of um, uh, what makes severe conditions, uh, uh, what are we... I guess it comes down to both the, the composition of the pavement and the type of um, movement that you can expect on that, and whether you uh, you have reactive pavements or not, and also things like uh, the traffic stresses in terms of um, uh, intersections and uh, the proportions of heavy vehicles that are, are coming through there are, are the, the big stresses that you can experience. Especially, uh, yeah, I, I think that covers the, the question. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. So also in relation to this slide, so what do you believe is a preferred time period between an initial seal, so single-single, and the final seal where it should be a double-double? Uh, I guess, um, let's, uh, where is, I'll just take you back to this. Oh, hang on, I'm going the wrong way. But um, there is, there is guidance in the guide about that in terms of, curing periods and lifespans which i can if you, up on the right there I, I i'll hesitate to give you the numbers off the top of my head now because um there's a lot going up on up in there but um yes yeah, it's the all the this flow chart here will i guess steps you through in terms of applying a prime or an initial seal first treatment the curing period um, that you'd go through that and the subsequent lifespan of those treatments and then followed by your secondary treatments and retreatments. 
there are a number of variables involved in as to when you will uh, wish to cover it up, depending on how much cutter you used, what time of year it is, what the subsequent treatment will be. And I guess, um, you know, your initial seal might just be covered by another single single seal or a double double seal or um, somewhere in between. So, uh, yeah, there are a large number of options and variables and um, things to consider and uh, the, and also, um, I guess, if you've used emulsions or not, we'll come into it. So, yeah, there, um, this little flowchart on the right will point you to all the right sections to give you um, the guidance on on uh, treatments and their subsequent retreatments. Great. Thanks for answering that one. Next question is, could you please identify commercially available elastic PMBs that have proven to be reliable and applicable for spray sealing? Yeah, well, um, I'm not gonna uh, highlight any particular manufacturers, <laughs> but, but there are a number of PMB manufacturers in Australia that um, generate the range of binders that'll used and listed in this table. Um, they are, these binders, are, you know, have to meet the specifications as outlined by Austroads. And so if you, um, if you buy these binders and ask for a testing certificate, you can be pretty sure um, as to what you're getting. And um, I guess the advice, especially that we apply in this table is um, based on the experience of Austroads members and in industry over the years. And um, so you can expect the, the polymer modified binders as as listed in this document to be fit for the task that they are, I guess, assigned for. Great, thanks for answering, Steve. Next question is from Ari, who's located in Townsville, North Queensland. So they've had a specific question. So section 3.2.1 in relation to prime of part 4K recommends a minimum curing time for prime of minimum three days. Many times they've been asked by contractors if they can apply the can apply seal the next day after cutback prime is applied. So is there a guide on how much the curing time can be reduced with regards to air pavement temperature? Uh, the temperature, the application temperature does come into um, how much cutter will be used in in the, in the initial seals and, and the following um, seal, I guess. Premature covering of an initial seal or a prime um, is upping your risk as to having subsequently um, flushing and bleeding problems. Um, it is not recommended to, I guess, skimp on that time. If there are extreme time pressures, you may wish to consider emulsions, but again, that um, may be problematic in far north Queensland in terms of curing because it's so humid up there. Uh, so, yeah, it covering your initial seals too quickly, it does increase your risk at um, later failures and it is not a recommended practice. Yeah, thanks for that, Steve. I hope that's answered your question, Ari. So next question is, in New South Wales, the RMS seal design form is used a lot. Will these updates flow through to the RMS process? Yes, absolutely. I believe, I'm not sure if they've already updated the, 
or if they've already published an updated document, but um, most certainly, yes, they are flowing through to those the state-based documents as well. Yeah, thanks, Steve. So we have a question from Richard. So he's asked in relation to slide 31, so what would be considered as low volume traffic? Uh, okay, yeah, so in terms of the, uh, so this is talking about, yeah, the work we did, the, the voids factor for low volume traffic, we were specifically looking at uh, below 100 vehicles per lane per day. So we're talking pretty rural, rural um, roads there. Uh, as part, we developing this work, we looked at some roads in um, uh, sort of Victoria and certainly in um, the Northern Territory um, as good examples of those. Yeah. Thanks for that, Steve. So another question is, when is the ball penetration test method going to be improved to address its abuse by conducting the test? It's abuse. It's abuse by conducting the test? Okay. Um, well, the ball penetration test is a test commonly applied to fresh pavements to check what uh, levels of um, of um, embedment you can expect from the aggregate in the sprayed seals. Um, I guess all I can really say here is that you follow the test method um, as it as it reads, and um, it is it is a very useful thing for understanding the the quality of the pavement that um, has been prepared and whether it is suitable for sealing or not. So um, yeah, the ball penetration is a is an important test and I do encourage everyone in sprayed sealing and pavement preparation to be using it um, and uh, recording those results um, as part of your quality assurance because yeah it is an important part and um, does affect the seal design subsequently. Yeah great thanks Steve. We had a question from Suresha from India so in relation to slide 20 says so mentioned it is interesting to hear that Australia moving towards testing bitumen using dynamic shear rheometer similar to performance grading of binders. In India too shortly similar tests will be adopted to test polymer modified bitumen. So the question is does Australia and New Zealand have sufficient number of agencies with required facilities to test binders for performance grading? Uh, if the question was the um, whether many agencies have DSR in their in their laboratory, the answer is yes. Uh, not all, but quite a lot of people, uh, quite a lot of um, organizations have the already purchased DSR for their routine testing and possibly for research purposes. Um, but if the question was for the PG grade testing, I think um, I'm not sure whether uh, the question the um, was was referring to that um, particular PG grade testing, then uh, may or may not because um, the um, American PG grading system requires uh, uh, not only DSR, they also require different um, there are a number of different type of um, equipment. I'm not sure whether that will be easily available in Australia or New Zealand. Uh, thanks for answering, Young. Next question is, so the question is, TMR Queensland requires that spray seal designers must complete their AAPA training course. In view of the significant changes to the spray seal design method, will designers need to be retrained? 
I guess what I can say is, is it's a good idea to keep yourself refreshed with um, the current methods. But yeah, that is uh, up to the agreement that is held between APA and TMR. And um, I'm not sure on the answer of that anyway, but um, I would encourage you to keep your skills up to date and, uh, um, as much as possible. But um, of course, the, the guides are available for download on the, or through this webinar and also on the Australia's website. So um, yeah. Yeah, thanks for that, Steve. So, how many parts crumb rubber to be used in the tests? Which test? Yeah. So, how many parts uh, crumb rubber used in the tests? In the test. Um, well, I'm not the, well, a bit confusing question, but um, normally, um, if you're talking about the type of binder that incorporates crumb rubber, the one um, spec uh, specified in Ostro's specification has 15 to 18 percent. Yeah, yeah, 15 to 18 percent crumb rubber in the binder. Yeah, that is great. the one, two probably two most commonly used grades in Ostro's terms. Yeah. Great, yeah. thanks for that. Yeah. So I hope that's ended your question, Aldo. If you wanted more clarification, please let us know. In relation to slide 24, so that someone's asked, where can I get the details of extensometer test? Um, the AGPT, I will probably just give you the number, document number. So the, uh, the question, uh, the, the person who raised the question can download it. It's called AGPT-T124, which provides the um, specific test methods of how to use this extension method post-ratio testing. Yeah, thank you, Young. Thanks for that. Next question is, so you haven't touched on emulsion on the in the topic. So is the emulsion going to affect the seal design performance or is it just for construction purposes and will it disappear once construction is complete? Yeah, uh, I guess the, the spray seal design method, which we have talked about today, largely deals in terms of residual binder and it is not concerned by the delivery method, be that by a hot applied with cutback or via emulsion, which is, uh, you know, bitumen suspended into water. And so, yeah, the, the design is all based around that uh, residual bitumen. So once the cutters and the water have disappeared, what bitumen you have left? And actually that's part of the update of the, the initial seal design that we've moved on from primer seal. Primer seal used to be uh, a design in terms of total delivered in, in but um, that has also changed back to residual now so it's a bit more consistent and hopefully um, easier for everyone to understand and use. Yeah. Thanks Steve. So we've had a few questions in relation to slide 37 so which is a table again. So is there a table similar to this one which deals with selection of emulsion for different situations and conditions? No, um, I guess, yeah, it leads on quite well from the last question. The, this, this table doesn't discriminate, I guess, between delivery methods uh, and there are other factors involved um, with selecting your delivery method, which I guess are 
uh, come into it more. And I guess there there are some limitations in terms of um, what binders are available in emulsified and hot applied methods. But um, yeah, this table doesn't discriminate between them discreetly. Yeah, great, thank you. So in relation to this slide, so for the temperature classes and their suggested binder types, there is in many instances where the maximum payment temperature exceeds the recommended binder's softening point. Is there a reason for this greater emphasis is not given to softening point and maximum payment temperature? Sorry, is there a reason we... There is there a reason uh, greater emphasis is not given to softening point and maximum pavement temperature? Um, uh, extreme hot weather ceiling uh, does present its own difficulties, both in terms of, uh, especially in terms of application um, and its, I guess, its, its early life density yeah. uh, to damage. But uh, yeah, that, the softening point of the binder and then its high temperature properties will come into it. You do need to be careful about um, selecting the appropriate binder for the appropriate task and climatic zone. But uh, yeah, that's um, hopefully this is covered largely by this table. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. So in relation to this slide again, so are there any issues in applying a PMB spray seal or similar for non-severe sites where the figure indicates a single single is suitable? Uh, not so much. Uh, I guess that comes down to... You, you, you want to select the right treatment for the, for the right case and you, uh, being sensible about it is you don't want to go gold plate your network where it's it's not required but um certainly there are you know that based on local experience and availability of materials you may choose to use a, a lightly modified pmb um single single steel single single seal as opposed to a straight run bitumen single single seal if, if that works um, for you i guess that's part of the what i was talking about it's a preliminary section guide there are um, yeah, there are a number of variables that come into seal selection um, for you to consider and likely uh, PMBs help with things like aggregate retention. So if there, is, if there is expected to be problems with that in an early seal that might be trafficked, uh, using a PMB in those cases uh, may uh, solve that particular problem. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Steve. So with regards to part 4F, so DIPTI DPTI have included an A5E PMB for asphalt in the wearing course. The implication is that the modulus increases by a factor of 1.6. And I note that A5E is not included in the bituminous binder section. So where is more information available regarding this PMB? As far as I know that a5e is a proprietary, proprietary product so you should um, inquire to the manufacturer of the um, of that particular binder mm. yeah. okay. excellent and last question is from ben says mentioned so i see there has been no change to the aggregate spread rate calculations this is an ongoing issue for us as we sometimes get a calculated spread rate of 27 270 plus M2, M3 for C 
27 millimeters applications on double double seals which is too light so what this was this investigated during the review yeah actually the aggregate spread rates have been updated uh fairly considerably in this new version we've uh it's all contained in one section now as opposed to being spread throughout the documents but we did update those based on um the best experiences that uh, were reported through the Austroads working groups. Um, so I do encourage the um, whoever asked the question to take another look at that, and and if they are still having problems with the calculations that are coming out, you know, um, it would be a, a, yeah, ask for some, some some specialist advice on there just to make to make sure everything is um, is is working as it should. But um, yeah, that has been updated in the new version, so I encourage them to to, to take a look. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Steve. So time has crept up on us and unfortunately we'll have to end this session soon. There's only, I think, two questions we didn't answer, but we'll email the, the people that asked. But you can get in contact with us if you have any further inquiries. But before we close up, here are the dates of upcoming webinars we have. So next week we have a webinar on the topic of road tunnel emergency egress signage. On 13th of November, we'll hold a webinar about connected and automated vehicles open data. And in the week after, we have a freight webinar about the trials on establishing extended hours of delivery. So for more information and to register, please head to the website shown. Also, we encourage you to download our podcast so you could watch our webinar recordings on the go. So to subscribe, simply search for Austroads on your podcast app. And lastly, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining us. Please share your feedback with us by filling out a webinar survey, which will come up on your screen shortly. And last but not least, I'd like to thank Young and Steve for presenting and answering everyone's questions. So thank you for your work and your time. Thanks, Elise. Thank you, Elise. Thank you. So enjoy the rest of your day, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.